0: CCR number 94 for January 13th, 2010.
1: This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by the Panthers Outlaw Forum, the place for uncensored, no-holds-barred Carolina Panthers discussion. If you're ready for an honest discussion of your Carolina Panthers, visit the Panthers Outlaw Forum at sillyangel.proboards.com. D'Angelo
2: Williams, left side crowded, goes up the middle, 50-yard line, he's in the clear, this has got potential, 40, 35, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Still on a mission though, still on a mission. We're going to find our how off we can push ourselves! Jake DeLonge going, Steve Smith left side, caught for a touchdown! Keep the dream alive, baby!
1: Welcome to the show dedicated to covering the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, we are joined by Rock Hill Herald beat writer Darren Gant. Nick Yeoman is back to provide the fans' perspective. We'll also be visiting with legendary Carolina Panther Mike Minter in the Minterview. Now, bubble your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. The off-season is just underway
0: and there are even more questions than we began with. Welcome to another edition of Crave Radio. Thank you for making us a part of your day. First, the story was that John Fox would not have his contract extended and that he had the option of returning for the final year of his deal in 2010. Then over the weekend, Adam Schefter of ESPN reported that the Panthers would allow Fox the opportunity to opt out of his contract. So who's right and who's wrong? We may not know the answer to that question until Fox and Jerry Richardson have had their sit-down meeting, which occurs each off-season. Still, all signs seem to point to the coach returning to the Carolina sidelines next year. Now, There was some real news this week. The Panthers have signed a five-year agreement recently completed by new team president Danny Morrison to keep their training camp at Wofford College in Spartanburg, South Carolina for at least five years. Carolina is bucking a recent league trend to hold training camp at team facilities. Coach Fox has always said he likes having the team get away from everything, yet not be too far from home. Also, Rip Shearer, the Panthers quarterback's coach, has removed his name from consideration to become the offensive coordinator at the University of Virginia. Programming note, this news came after our conversation with Darren Gant, which you'll hear later in the show, so bear with us on some of those questions. As for the other major question of this winter... Julius Peppers has not committed, and neither has the team. Since the Panthers can't franchise him until the middle of February, there's no way to know what will happen. Peppers was the subject of our question of the week in our last episode. Let's check to see what the fans had to say when asked, will Julius Peppers be back next season, and do you want him back? Hello! Hello!
1: It's time for Panthers fans to sound off.
2: Yes, I do think that uh, Julius Peppers will be back next year, and I do want him back, but only at a long-term contract, say uh, five years, $10 a, uh, a year, seven, seven years at $10 million a year, or seven years maybe at $10 a year, but uh, that's what uh, I would like to see, and I think Peppers wants to be back uh, uh, because of his relationship with the team, Uh, But I think you'll have to be uh, assured
3: that uh, Jake will not be the starter. That's what i got to say. Talk to you later. Bye. This is K7 Roger talking about Julius Peppers. Julius Peppers is an enigma wrapped inside of an enigma, wrapped inside of a hard candy shell. You have no idea what you're going to get from the guy. Uh, He can be a Hall of Fame player if he wanted to, but I think his heart and mind sometimes keeps him from doing that. I have no opinion on him anymore because... No one can figure him out. Have a good day. Bye-bye.
4: Hello, Cat Crave. This is Chris from the Cat Ranch at California. That's a hell of a lot of cuz. Will Julius Peppers be back next year? Yes, he will. For the simple fact that I think he realized that a lot of people out there are worried about his age. He really didn't get what he was looking for as far as a pre team this season. But... I think he found what he was looking for in a defensive scheme that he can work with. So, I really do think he'll be back next year. And I think he's going to play his heart out for us, bottom line. So, to sum up, Julius will be back next year. And he will do all he can for us. And hopefully next year, we'll have one of those seasons that gets us into the Super Bowl. Please, guys, let us get into the Super Bowl. I'm tired of being everywhere outside of Carolina and having to explain why I like the Panthers. So, thank you
0: and goodbye. Our thanks to everyone who called in, and, of course, thanks to all of you for listening. Now, next week, we figure, why not? So, let's go ahead and talk about the other elephant in the room. For our next episode, the question of the week is this. If John Fox leaves, who, besides Bill Cower, would you want as the head coach? That's right, no Bill Cower. Name anybody you want, just not the chin. Call us on the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673 and let us know who you would like to see pacing the sidelines for the Panthers next season should Fox leave town. Again, the number is 206-350-9673. Call us up and sound off. Ready in the
2: gun.
4: And he throws up and out to the right.
2: Intercepted by Chris Gamble. far pumps it to the right. He's got a receiver open end zone, but it's intercepted. Chris Harris takes a snap. Fires to Fitzgerald. Deflected and intercepted. Richard Marshall. Here's the retreat by Freeman. Steps up in the pocket. Aims over the middle. Picked off. Intercepted. Godfrey's got it. Upfield. 30. Crunched at the 30-yard line.
0: It's time once again... For the Panther preview, we continue to call it that. Excuse me. I continue to call it that because I can't come up with anything better to call it. And joining us for the yet unnamed Panther preview, it is Nick Yeoman. Yeoman.
2: John, what's going on? Hey, I'm fine with it. You know what? You keep calling it the Panther preview and we'll just keep previewing until there's an actual game to talk about. Then we got a while, but uh, hey, keep the name the same. It sounds good to me.
0: Now if we had backed into the playoffs like other teams, you know, maybe we'd be getting ready to go to New Orleans, but but we're not. So, right now we're dealing with dramas, man. Is, this is like um, I don't know, Desperate Housewives or whatever, Desperate Coaches, because uh, first it was Fox, you're gonna, you know, if you want to stay, you can stay. You're cool. Hang out right here with us for the next year. Suddenly this thing comes out, Adam Schefter reports that he may have the right to opt out of this contract. I gotta know. Do you want him gone?
4: No,
2: I, I don't. I, I want the, what's best, you know, for this team and, and for from a financial standpoint. You can't go out and sign a new head coach to a long term contract and potentially be paying that guy uh, during an uncapped year where there may not be, or when, a year when there's no football in 2011. So I think it probably works out best the jab Fox back. But, you know, you mentioned this whole thing that he would have been allowed to opt out of his contract and go somewhere else with no compensation. And, and that whole thing. It's a little mystified. I'm a little mystified by. It. I have no idea what Jerry Richardson was really thinking by announcing that or how why this became public,, uh, but it is. It's a head scratcher, but I think John Fox is going to be back in Charlotte. all indications look like he will be. Uh, and in my opinion, I think John Fox should be back with the Panthers.
0: There's a chance here too that we if if that happens, let's say Fox is gone. And I personally, and I know you and I can both say we just kind of hate to see him go if we want to have some continuity for this next season, maybe you got to hire from within. If you're going to do it, name your one guy who's on the staff who you would like to see, if we have to do it, take over. Oh,
2: boy. Uh, I guess this is pick your poison. I, I guess I would say Ron Meeks. He's a veteran coach. Uh, in the National Football League, you know, I, I like what he did with the defense. I think he did a pretty good job making this defense go from, you know, the, the fallout that they had at the end of uh, at the end of the season two years ago to having a pretty solid defensive unit this year. I know the big talk is about offensive coordinator Jeff Davidson, but I just would hate to see Jeff Davidson get a chance to coach this team because he has not shown me anything. From his play calling, so I think if I had to pick one, it would be Ron Meeks. Uh, But boy, that's that's really picking your own poison. I don't know if there's a a really a right answer there.
0: Yeah, and I kind of lean the way you're leaning, so I think we're we're on the same page there. But getting ready to look ahead, I mean, this off season, our off season technically has started, and technically it hasn't. The NFL has yet to roll over the calendar to the 2010 season. We're going to break down the team, position by position, area by area. For the next seven weeks, starting with this week's show. And we wanted to start with the cornerbacks and the safeties. Break down the secondary, kind of player by player, and, and kind of see how we stack up. So, we'll start at cornerback. I like the guys we've got, honestly. We, Richard Marshall, starter. Chris Gamble, starter. The odd thing is that Marshall would be, under the old league rules with the CBA in place, the guy would be a fourth-year veteran who would be coming out from under a rookie contract and would be a free agent but both guys 16 starts your take on Richard Marshall and Chris Gamble
2: you know I think the the cornerback spot I think it's fairly solid I think you have a solid number one in Chris Gamble is he deserving of that shutdown corner big contract that he got a year ago I personally don't think he is, but he is a very good player and one that the Panthers should have complete confidence in uh, when he's out there on the field. But The other spot there with Richard Marshall, I think you've got a bit of a question mark. I think he's a solid player, but at times... Uh, he, he looked like he wasn't really ready to be a starting cornerback in the NFL. I mean, he didn't give up a lot of big plays. He had some solid tackling, uh, but really, I, I don't know if he is that true number two. The nice thing is, though, John, you've got some guys behind him in a Captain Munderland Where you know, if if he's not that number two cornerback, and you're not going to be able to roll with Richard Marshall, you've got some young guys behind him. But I think really the cornerbacks are, are solid for this team right now.
0: You know, you mentioned that Chris Gamble. And and you're right, I mean, he has not put up the numbers like, I mean, if you're going to pay a guy to be a, a shutdown corner, a Daryl Rivas type, um, even a Charles Woodson, who just won uh, Defensive Player of the Year, by the way, if you're going to pay a guy to do that, you want to see the numbers out of him. But here's my question. If he's not looking like a shutdown corner, I'm wondering if it's because the team doesn't allow him to be. And we, we play this uh, even last year and the year before, we played a lot of zone defenses. Now it's that Tampa 2, the cover 2 zones. Uh, he doesn't really get a chance to go mano a mano against the other team's number one. I mean, do you see it that way, or do you think maybe he's just not quite as good as we thought?
2: No, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both, but I would, I would probably lean towards the idea that you brought up, the fact that when you play that zone defense, you don't get those one-on-one opportunities. You cover a specific part of the field, and... And, you know, Chris Gamble's done a good job adapting to it. This entire secondary's done a good job adapting to to Ron Meeks' system, and I think that says a lot about the players that the Panthers have on the roster right now. But it is. It's tough that when you're going to go to – you're going to switch it up and you're going to change You're going to go to a zone defense. You'd hate to pay Chris Gamble that big money, and you're not going to see those big-time numbers. But uh, at the same time, though, he would be a guy you would hate to lose. If Chris Gamble were ever to get hurt, the secondary you would think would be in trouble because he certainly is a number one corner. Is he a shut-down guy? Who knows? You know, he, A lot of times, uh, guys are just one season away from being a shut-down corner, and uh, and that, that title gets thrown around quite a bit. But I think he's a solid player, and one that Panthers fans got to be happy that they got number 20 out there, uh, You know, matching up on wide receivers.
0: We had some guys that actually stepped in. Munerlin, a big surprise. C.J. Wilson... Had been considered up until last year. Had been considered like the heir apparent, at least as the number three corner coming in in, in nickel coverages. But Munerlin comes in. The guy looks really good and kicks Wilson to the side. Dante Wesley, a guy that's good with you know on special teams, despite what people in Tampa may think of him. But the thing I like about this bunch the most, and and that is this: Dante Wesley is the oldest out of the bunch at 31. Everybody else ranges in age from 22, Captain Munderland, up to 27 and that's Chris Gamble. So, you know, nobody with more than 8 years of experience. I got to like the the youth of this bunch.
2: No, I, I do too. And you mentioned, you know, Richard Marshall's on that first contract. He's only going to get better. Corner, cornerback position in the NFL is, is one where you only get better with age I and mean, we've seen guys like you know, Ty Law out there playing until they're they're darn near 40. But you've got a guy in Captain Mudderland, Captain Mutterland who looks really good as a rookie. He's only going to get better. And then you mentioned, I mean, guys like C.J. Wilson, uh, the, the team very high on him. So, yeah, I think depth-wise in the future, the secondary, while they may not be explosive, they may not be uh, considered a, a complete strength and a powerhouse unit right now for the Panthers, you got to think if they keep these guys intact, they keep these guys around, uh, a couple years from now, this could be one of the best units in the NFL uh, because they certainly, each each guy, very young, and showing that they uh, they know how to get it done in the NFL so far.
0: Well, before we head to break here, I'll, I'll give you a chance to, to grade the corners. on. Let's just do the normal 1 through 100 grading.
2: You know, I think the corners, I think they're solid. I'd give them an 89. I don't know if it's quite deserving of that 90 range. I mean, when you look at the strength that they have, they didn't give up a lot of big plays. They adapted well to Ron Meeks' system. That should only improve in the next couple years. A solid secondary, when you consider they made plays for some turnovers. They had 22 picks, which was fifth best in the league for the the secondary as a total. But the corners, I think have been solid. Chris Gamble is, is certainly the best of the bunch, and I think they're definitely deserving of an 89.
0: You cheated off me because I gave him an eighty-nine. Also, so you 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 must have looked over my shoulder.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know how that's possible, but yeah, we'll go with that. I definitely copied off of you.
0: <laughs> okay, before we head to break, I want to remind everybody that, and this week we do have a question of the week, and and we heard those answers earlier. Next week's question here it is: It's this simple. If John Fox leaves, who now? To this here's the there's a caveat to this: Who besides Bill Cowher? Would you want us the head coach? Call us at 206 350 9673. Again, if Fox leaves, who besides the Jaw do you want to see as the head coach? That's 206 350 9673. Coming up in a bit, Darren Gantt, we got Mike Menner on the interview, and. When Nick and I return, we'll be breaking down the safeties.
1: Help us make this the best Panther show on the planet. Send us your feedback to catcraveradio at gmail.com. That's catcraveradio at gmail.com. We'll have more CCR in a moment. To be a good father is the most important job in a man's life. But it doesn't have to be hard. Play catch. Go to a park or visit a zoo. Help your child with their homework. Sit down together for dinner. Ask them how their day was. Things get busy, and sometimes we all fall short. But the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 1-877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
0: It is time once again to play the game that's sweeping the nation. It's time for Boom or Bust joining us to play the game. It's Nick Yeoman. Nick, are you ready to play the game, sir?
3: I sure am, John.
0: Let's start you off with Peyton Manning versus the Ravens.
3: You know, Peyton Manning
2: owns the Ravens, and it hasn't mattered if it was in the regular season or in the playoffs. He always plays big against Baltimore. He was a little off for Manning's standards with two picks in the regular season game that he had earlier this year against the Ravens, but... Getting the win is all that matters to Peyton and the Colts. I think he comes out motivated and booms this weekend against the Ravens.
0: Darren Sproles versus the Jets.
2: You know, for all the hype the Jets' rushing defense gets, the Bengals had no problem putting up big numbers. Edward Benson ran for 169 yards in the touchdown, and one would think that Sproles could do the same, but I just don't think that putting the ball in Sproles' hands 21 times is in the San Diego game plan. The Chargers are going to want to throw the ball quite a bit, and that should mean Sproles is a bust.
0: Brett Favre versus the Cowboys.
2: Well, of course, Brett Favre has never beat the Cowboys in the playoffs, but I think he realizes that... Not only will this be the last opportunity to break that streak, but this is more than likely the last chance he's going to get at winning a second championship. I think Brett Favre will be focused this Sunday, and he'll boom against the Cowboys.
0: Marquez Colston versus the Cardinals.
2: You know, after watching the fireworks that the Green Bay Packers were able to put up against the Cardinals' secondary last week in the wild card round, you have to think that Drew Brees and the Saints are going to be licking their chops, and they're going to be able to find success against. Uh, the Cardinals as well, Marcus Colston he's going to see a, quite a few passes come his way and I think he'll boom against Arizona.
0: Joe Flacco versus the Colts.
2: You know Joe Flacco made one huge mistake earlier this year when uh, the, the two teams played the Ravens had an opportunity to win that game late, Flacco threw a horrible interception that cost the Ravens the game and I just don't think he has what it takes to beat that Indy defense. It's played really well at times this year so I think Flacco is a bust as well.
0: Miles Austin versus the Vikings.
2: Miles Austin against Antoine Winfield should be a good matchup, but when I think about that Vikings secondary most recent memory I have, a personal one, of course, is of Steve Smith, letting everyone know that he'd be setting the rules and regulations of the game. I think Miles Austin is going to try his best to do the same, and I think he'll boom against Minnesota.
0: Larry Fitzgerald versus the Saints.
2: Well, last year, of course, there wasn't anyone in the NFC that could cover Larry Fitzgerald in the playoffs, and looking at the Saints secondary, I don't think they have anyone that can stop Fitzgerald either. If Kurt Warner plays as well as he did last week, which I mean, he was playing out of his mind, and he looks for number 11 on quite a few occasions, There's no doubt in my mind that Fitzgerald will boom.
0: Mark Sanchez versus the Chargers.
2: You know, I really like the swagger that Mark Sanchez plays with. He knows he's a rookie. He knows that people don't expect much from him. But it seems as if he stopped making those rookie mistakes and he's just out there having fun eating hot dogs and and having a good time. The Chargers, though, they're playing their best football and probably the best football in the NFL, offense and defense. I think they'll ruin that Mark Sanchez swagger uh, this weekend and force him to bust.
0: Adrian Peterson versus the Cowboys.
2: Well, the Dallas Cowboys defense has been absolutely fantastic in the last month. Two shutouts leading into the playoffs and a great performance uh, in the playoffs against the Eagles last weekend. I think that continues against Adrian Peterson. I'll guarantee you, he'll put the ball on the ground at least once and he's going to bust against that Dallas D.
0: Philip Rivers versus the Jets.
2: Philip Rivers has had an incredible season of spark. 28 passing touchdowns. Just nine interceptions. That Jets defense is good, and he needs to stay away from throwing it anywhere near uh, Darrell Rebus. But I expect Rivers to play huge this weekend against the Jets. He will boom as well.
0: Well, Nick, we do appreciate you playing the divisional playoff round of Boomer Bust with us.
3: Hey, it's been fun, John. Thanks. Hey, this is Mike Rucker, and you're listening to Kent
0: K. And welcome back to the yet unnamed Panther Preview. Still with us is Mr. Nick Yeoman. Nick we've broken down the corners we've given them a, a grade we, we you know we see that you cheated off of my uh, off of my test paper but uh, let's look at safety uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on the safety situation
2: well I, I think the safety both safety positions I think are a solid solid unit for the Panthers this year and, and going into the future as well I don't really see any needs at either safety spot I mean I wish strong safety Chris Harris would tackle a little better at times, but the big hits, the big plays that he makes and he's been making for the last couple of years for the Panthers are well worth, you know, the few missed tackles that he has. And then when you look at that free safety spot, John, you've got two young players that I feel are fully capable of holding down that position. You've got Charles Godfrey, who struggled at times, you know, battled the injuries. It looked like maybe he lost his starting spot. Uh, to, of course, Sherrod Martin, who was impressive as a rookie and is only going to get better. So I think this safety position is uh, certainly a one of strength and and one for the future that the Panthers fans can get excited about.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, again, another group that is not at all – they're not long in the tooth. Chris Harris is 28, so if you do see him leave, it's possible you've got a future guy – He'd filled in a couple of times this season when Godfrey went out, but that's stepping in at free safety as opposed to playing strong safety. And you mentioned Sherrod Martin. Maybe he's the future. Maybe he's the guy, if he's flexible enough. I mean, do you see him stepping in for Harris and maybe the secondary or the the safeties being Godfrey and Martin?
2: You know, I I don't know. I don't know if that lineup can work. I mean, I like what these young guys have shown, but I don't know if, I don't know if the safety position would be assured up and as strong as a unit if you have to start Godfrey and Martin. I think what Chris Harris brings to the table is something that nobody in the secondary can bring, and it's that leadership, it's that fire, it's that hard-hitting uh, mentality, the big plays that he makes, the strips. So I think you would lose a little something. But at the same time, Sherrod Martin showed that he's got a nose for the football. I mean, he had a fantastic game. Uh, against Arizona earlier this year, so I think you would lose a little bit if Godfrey and Martin were your starting safeties. But both of those two fully capable as long as they continue to improve. You know, you mentioned it, and we talked about it. it's kind of the theme of the secondary as a whole is that there's a lot of youth and a lot of potential. And uh, you got to think that Charles Godfrey continues to get better, and Sherrod Martin uh, continues off a really impressive rookie season. That, that those two could be safeties, or could be solid safeties down the road as starters for the Panthers.
0: Well, we mentioned, already talked about the cornerbacks, but we mentioned uh, Captain Munerlin earlier, the fact that he had four starts for the team, wound up with 39 tackles. But you've got Sherrod Martin, who kind of comes out of nowhere. And at the time, during the draft, and I never really heard his name, I'm not as much of a draft as some people are, but once I saw that, you know, that once the card got turned in, there were people saying, well, you know, it, it's not so much of a reach. I mean, this kid could actually play and sure enough five starts he winds up with 18 tackles he does have three interceptions to his name now so and kind of surprised I mean are you as surprised as me because honestly I thought first he had already kicked Godfrey to the curb then for some reason Godfrey comes back and he gets the job I mean I I thought Godfrey was was kind of a goner the guy was gonna be sitting over there warming the bench I mean did that shock you like it did me
2: it did a little bit. I, I remember back to, you know, last year when the team went 12-4. and 4. Charles Godfrey was playing really good football as a rookie. I mean, he might have been, uh, you know, a bit of a weak leak in that team on that defense, but the defense was playing decent at times, uh, you know, two years ago. I, I was surprised with Sherrod Martin and uh, and the breakout year that he had as a rookie because I, I hated the pick at first. I, I wasn't sure who this guy was. What I had heard was that he was fragile. had a lot of injuries uh, in his co- college career at Troy, so I wasn't really sure if that was – a, uh, a guy that the Panthers needed to look at, but he certainly proved it. And like we said, you know, if Sherrod Martin continues to improve and you got a guy in Charles Godfrey where the coaches obviously see something in him where even when he struggles and battles injuries, he can still get back into the starting lineup. It shows you that he's still a pretty good defender. And you look at the defense, they're playing their best football. This entire team was playing their best football at the end of the season when Charles Godfrey was out there, when Sherrod Martin was moving in and out as well. So I think it's, uh, it's a testament to uh, the depth that this secondary has. You mentioned Captain Munerlin, you got two guys in Munderland and Sherrod Martin that you know, show that they can play corner and safety, and that's something that's going to help the Panthers in the long run.
0: Okay, let's see if you cheated off me this time. I know you cheated off me for that whole grade thing on on the corners. We we, we saw that. But let's just see if uh let's see if our grades look the same for the safeties.
2: You know, I'm going to give the safeties a little bit lower grade than the corners. Not much though. So. I think really there's this Secondary as a whole, just solid all around. I don't think there's a lot of weak spots. I'm going to give the safeties an 85 as a total. I think you know you got a guy in Chris Harris that he has the missed tackles here and there. I mean, I don't think you can look at anyone in the in the safety positions, any of the guys that have that have moved in and out of the lineup, and say, well, they don't have their flaws. I mean, everybody's got their flaws. You don't have a solid guy. Like Chris Gamble, but I think it's good enough to get the job done. I think they're well deserving of an 85 and, and a unit that I think is going to continue to get better as long as
4: you avoid the injuries.
0: Absolutely, I got to agree that that I mean I like this group. It's on, honestly this kind of surprised me. I you know I knew that Chris Harris was not exactly the youngest player we've got. I mean he's 28 years old. Oddly enough, he's got five years of NFL experience. I thought he had more than that, but you got Harris and Godfrey as the starters. If nothing else, you know you've got a future guy who can really contribute to the team. I like Sherrod Martin, love the kid, and Quentin Teal, who is he's okay in a pinch and and a decent special teamer. So I like the group. Uh, nobody over five years experience in the league and a rookie, so they're going to grow together. But I'm going to have to go 87. So I guess you didn't cheat off me this time, right?
2: Yeah, just just a little off, but I think uh, I think we've got similar scores, you know. It, it, it says a lot about this unit to, to have them right there in the 80s is something Panthers fans got to be excited about.
0: Yeah, you average out to an 87, I, I come out with an 88. There you go. Well, and, and again, and I, I, if, if you add this up, you realize this group has an average age of 26 and average experience in the NFL of 3.7 years, so the secondary is young.
4: Yeah, and,
2: and I think, and I think going into the offseason, you don't want to touch it. Don't touch the secondary. Don't mess with it. I don't think you need to bring in any free agents. I don't think it's a, it's a position where either one, the quarterback or safety that you need to touch with the draft either. I think it's just a good, good unit that's only going to get better. And, and yeah, I mean, when you talk about the age, the young guys, they're going to be a solid team down the road.
0: Okay, and everybody, don't forget the question of the week, the one for next week. We hope to hear from as many people as possible. I know you all love John Fox, right, as much as all of us do, but if, I said if, I-F, capital I, capital F, John Fox leaves the team, who besides the jaw? Who besides Bill Cowher do you want to see come in and take his place? You want to hire from within? You want to hire from outside? Who do you want to see take over if Fox leaves uh, the number is 206-350-9673, so don't forget to call us this week. Now, Nick, before we wrap this up, I mean, you want to come back next week and talk some offensive linemen?
2: Yeah, that sounds great. We've got a lot of positions, a lot of stuff to talk about. I'd love to come back next week.
0: All right, and if we can uh, talk you into sticking around for a little pick 'em action.
1: Hey, sounds good, John. I appreciate it. I'll be back. There's only one Cat Crave Radio.
0: Our guest now is Rock Hill Herald, beat writer, Darren Gant. Darren, welcome back to the show. How
3: you doing, John? Happy New
0: Year, buddy. Uh, doing great. It, it Yeah, Happy New Year to you. And uh, what a way to start off our year out of the playoffs and, and all of the news and the rumors and all this stuff floating around. It's, you know, first we hear Fox has the option to come back. You know, Fox can return if he wants. Then we hear, wait a minute, he could opt out. We're going to allow him to opt out of the contract. I mean, what in the world is going on here? Well,
2: I think long story short, we can cook this down into a couple of things. Uh, They were not going to fire John Fox. That was never going to happen. They also were not going to extend John Fox based on Jerry Richardson's place in the CBA talks. I mean, so much of this is tied into his status within the league as being one of the point men on the CBA. And just from an appearance standpoint, he's not going to take a forward role in trying to beat back player costs, while at the same time extending guaranteed money to people for a time when there's not going to be revenues. We also know that John Fox was plenty hot under the collar about this, and, you know, John's a proud guy. John's got an ego like any competitor, and John believes he shouldn't have to. You know, in John's mind, this is kind of making him walk in with his hat in his hand, and he doesn't think he ought to have to do that. And I think there were a lot of people on his staff, who he made that clear to. I mean, there were a lot of guys going into that last game. You know, this thing's coming at you from about a million different sources now, but the one thing that I reported pretty consistently over the last couple weeks was it was no secret among the staff that he wasn't happy about this, and a lot of them thought he was setting himself up for a move elsewhere. John's biggest problem now is there aren't enough good elsewheres. I mean, if you look at the jobs that are open and the jobs that are opening – there's not a job among them that you would point to immediately and say, well, yeah, that's a better job than the Carolina Panthers. I mean, geez, we're talking about Cleveland, you know, before Mangini was allowed to stay. We're talking about Buffalo, which still in not and still isn't a good job. And you're talking about Seattle, which has turned into a little bit of a train wreck, and I don't know that it's going to get any better with Pete Carroll at the helm just because the, the record of college coaches coming back to the NFL isn't so very good. But all that being said, that's a long way of saying – they're content with John at his current contract as long as John's content with here at his current contract. And if John was going to have a problem with it, they weren't going to stand in his way. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think it's a little bit of semantics when you talk about reports, reports of things avoiding and sort of some of that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is they weren't going to fire him. They're good with him here, and they think they'd probably also be okay if he was somewhere else.
0: Well, we've got agents always playing this game out there anyway. They're going to do the PR thing. And I know that you and I talked about this before we got started here, and that, is that you know, is that they're going to hit up reporters. They're going to call the guy up and say, hey, um, by the way, they'll give you a little tidbit of information. Some reporters will run with it. Some are even going to try and read in between the lines. They're going to say, well, let me read the tea leaves and see how this is going. But really and truthfully, everything now is just going to be you know, what, you know, what his group wants, what he and his agent want, and, and what the team wants until they meet. So when does that happen? When does John Fox finally sit down with Jerry Richardson so they can decide one way or the other whether he stays or goes?
2: I think that conversation's pretty much already happened. I mean, prior to him leaving for Florida for the week for a long weekend and that was last week. Every everyone I talked to told me that they were scheduled to meet Monday and I've not heard anything to indicate that that meeting didn't take place. So, I mean, I'm under the assumption that, you know, such that Jerry Richardson and John Fox are going to talk, they've already talked and, you know, everybody's kind of proceeding. I mean, I think a lot of people were expecting a big press release saying Panther's not firing John Fox, but, I mean, I guess you could, you know, also, I mean, that goes back to the original report, you know, Panther's not going to fire John Fox. Well, here's a news flash for you. Panther's also not going to fire Jordan Gross and John Beeson. It's just, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> and we could talk all day about the nature of modern media and, and all those sorts of things, but... We reach that point in this story where we're sort of in the spin cycle, and things that you hear come out now come from certain directions for absolute reasons. And when you hear a national reporter say that, "Hey, this was in the contract," you can kind of connect the dots and and sort of figure out who's telling that guy what he's here. And then, you know, I suppose you could say the same thing about things I report, too. I mean, it's a it's a difference between, you know, boots on the ground locally as opposed to, you know, national guys parachuting into Charlotte whenever there's a big story. I mean, it's just it's one of those things. And certain agents are going to talk to certain reporters, and I've got relationships with certain agents and players and coaches, too. So, you know, it's just all part of the big game now. But, I think the bottom line for all the hot air we've spent on this already is John Fox is probably going to be the coach of the Carolina Panthers in 2010.
0: And we've got other situations going on, too. Uh, Quarterbacks coach Rip Shearer may or may not wind up going to Virginia and and being their offensive coordinator. And I, I think there were times, and I believe you and I talked about this way back during the season, and you know, maybe there was just too much information. There was, you know, there were too many changes made for Jake, and maybe he was a little bit overcoached, maybe. So is I, it?
4: Yeah, know,
2: I think it's easy to say overcoached. I mean, there's an element of, and not to lay this all, not to say this year's Delon disaster should be laid at the feet of Rip Sherer, but I think there's. it's safe to say Jake was overcoached, and, and Rip, you know, agreed early on to pull back a little bit. I mean, after the Buffalo game was when that thing first, sort of gained its own momentum. I mean, and when you know we first reported that Rip had agreed to back off a little bit and, and to kind of get out of his head because I think that was at least a, a portion of Jake's problem this year. I mean, the guy's been doing, you know, he's 34 years old and he's been doing it a certain way for more than 10 years in the NFL and then all of a sudden here's a guy who's trying to reteach him how to drop back, where to put his feet, arm angles, stuff like that and I just think it's too much. Now that being said, Rip share may have also been a part of the development of Matt Moore. I mean, I I think you can look at it both ways. Right now, he's sort of up in the air as we sit here at, at the very moment you and I are recording this conversation on a Tuesday afternoon. He has been offered the job at the University of Virginia. He has not given them a decision yet. Right now, the coaches of the college world are all down in Orlando at the big job fair, the AFCA convention. And I think that... You know, UVA would probably like to get something done sooner rather than later. I think the wild card in this for Rip Scherer is, and I haven't been able to get a straight answer on this, is Pittsburgh Steelers. If you look at Steelers, Kenny Anderson, their quarterback's coach, just retired, resigned, whatever you want to call it. And there's a lot of ties there. Kevin Colbert, who's their personnel guru, Colbert and Rip are cousins. Mike Tomlin was on Rip Share's staff at Memphis back in the day when Rip was the head coach, so there's a lot of links to him in Pittsburgh, and he's a kid from Pittsburgh, so I am not sure and haven't been able to get a straight answer as to whether the Steelers have asked for permission or received it to talk to him about getting him out of the last year of his contract, but certainly that's one of the many things that's up in the air right now in terms of the coaching staff.
0: Yeah, and a little bit like Elvis, not kissing cousins, but coaching cousins, which would be kind of cool, but... Uh, you know, we- like
2: that. And the coaching world is famous that way. <laughs> yeah. Every time there's a hire, yeah. you can draw the little family tree as to how this guy connects uh-huh. to this staff. And I mean, it's amazing how interconnected this business is. And I remember sitting around in training camp talking to Rip about all the different people he had worked with and kind of the links between this guy and that guy. It's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but with coaches, you can probably do it to Vince Lombardi in six steps from everybody just based on the way the and family runs.
0: Yeah, because Bill Parcells' tree, I mean, that goes everywhere. you got the Walsh tree. That goes in a million different directions. So, um, what about
2: the John Fox tree with Jack Del Rio?
0: Yeah, Jack Del Rio, let's not forget, you know, our quarterback's coach is in Denver now. He's their offensive coordinator. Right. So, I mean, Mike McCoy ran off. So, sure. And then we've got two that are still with him. And the, Now, the fans are going to be upset. I think it, I would have to say that, you know, if, if I w- was honest about it, I would say I was upset, too, if the, if they stay. And that is Danny Crossman and Jeff Davidson. I, I don't think you can find two guys that are more disliked uh, among the fans than these two. Any chance that we see, well, just, let's just stick with Crossman. We know Davidson's not going anywhere. But is there any chance that Crossman goes out the door sometime, say, in the dead of winter or early spring?
2: You know... I don't know. I think it's reasonable to make a case for Danny Crossman. One thing I was looking at the other day with Danny, there's this perception that he's always been horrible, and I think that that's a little bit unfair because Rick Gosselin got to Dallas Morning News, writer who I really respect, one of the giants of my business. Rick does a comprehensive special teams ranking system every year, 22 categories. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's a it's a statistic walks dream come true i mean because he's put every number into the machine and it spits out the rankings and and if you average out what Danny Crossman's teams have been from 05 to 08 i mean this year's hasn't been done yet won't be until february but over the previous four seasons the panthers average rank in Rick Goslin's system is 15.5 so i mean it's not as if this it's it's a complete abject disaster that a lot of people would have you believe and, and and the thing I'll say about Danny Crossman, and I think could they upgrade over Danny Crossman? Sure. I mean, Bobby's April's sitting out there, and he's been really good at this for a long time, and I think he'd be an upgrade for most teams. But the thing about Danny is he is a John Fox guy. He played for Fox at Pitt when John was in the college ranks. Fox knows him. Fox trusts him. He's an organized guy. And John Fox has told other coaches that he thinks Danny could be a head coach one day at some level. Now, again, have the Panthers' special teams struggled in the last couple of years in specific areas? They have, and I think you can also draw part of that back to the whole Julius Pepper situation. They tied up such a big chunk of the salary cap in Julius. It kind of kept them from keeping some of the veteran special teams guys, the guys who make a big difference. I mean, they essentially went into this year without a return man and kind of cobbled it together the best they could. They got lucky on Captain Munerlin being a decent punt returner but even that's not without its drama, and and they basically don't have a kick returner. You know, Tyrell Sutton was okay at it, but he's a guy who wasn't even in camp with you. So I think you've also got to look at some of the parts Danny's been given to work with, and while he's had a couple of guys over the years, whether it's a Hankton, a Goings, a Dante Wesley this year, he just doesn't have more than one of those guys at a time this season. I mean, Dante Wesley was the only quote unquote special teams player. He had at his disposal going into the
0: season. Well, I'll throw you a couple of agree or disagree statements here. I'll start with this. If, and I know that's a big if, two capital letters, if Fox leaves, the best course of action is to try and keep all systems in place and promote from within.
2: I think that's pretty reasonable. I think, again, it's based on John Fox leaving, and I don't think that's happening, but I do think it's reasonable to believe that if John were to up and leave and go wherever it was, fill in the blank, that there's a very good chance you could see somebody on the staff become a head coach, probably Jim Skipper, especially given... You know, everything goes back to the CBA and the uncertain status and the fact that there may not even be football in 2011. If you had to do it short-term and hand it to somebody and say, okay, keep this thing going the same way it's been going the last eight years, I think Skip would be a natural. I mean, here's a guy who's got head coaching experience, albeit in the XFL, a little bit different animal, but Skip's been John's right-hand man. And I tell you, he's a guy who's really respected among coaches, really respected in the locker room. He's kind of a... He's kind of got that old-school vibe, and he's got a very specific way of dealing with players. But I think Skip's a guy who probably deserves a chance to be a head coach, and I think there are some other guys on the staff who you could say the same thing about. I think if you, you know, made Ron Meeks a short-term head coach or somebody like that, and and realistically, anybody who would be a short-term head coach, you might as well call him interim because everything would change going into 2011.
0: Okay, I'll throw you one more. And, again, this has to do with, John Fox returning or not, we feel like I think it's pretty much a consensus that he will return. So if John Fox returns, Matt Moore will be given a legitimate shot at the starting job next season.
2: Oh, I think so. I mean, I think Matt's earned that right at this point. He, Matt, Here's what I'll say about Matt Moore, and I've been on the record for a long time saying that you know, Jake still deserves a shot to compete for this job in training camp because it's ostensibly his job, and he lost it when he got hurt. But Matt played himself into this conversation. I mean, Matt obviously played well coming down the stretch, 4-1 and in December. But the thing I'll say about Matt is he he's still got to lead a comeback. He's still got to play a game that has some pressure because really in the two seasons he's had any playing experience, it's been kind of what the heck circumstance coming down the stretch i mean both in 07 and this year taking over a four and seven team so but i think matt's played well enough you know over the last month to say yeah it's reasonable to think he's going to have a shot to win the job that being said i think it would be foolish to count jake the out of that too because matt's the most popular guy in town for the simple fact of being not jake and if jake goes back to being jake of 03 through 08 you know, I think it's pretty reasonable to think he could be the starter next year. If he stays the Jake of 0-9, I think it's also easy to see Matt keeping that job.
0: Well, I know you're on your way over to talk to, to Mac um, and, 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 you know, appear on the Mac attack, you know, those guys at oh, FNZ. Oh, time
2: with the Pac-Man, come on. Oh,
0: the Pac-Man, excuse me. It's you, I'm...
2: afternoon, let's not take away Mark's.
0: Oh, well, under there. My bad. Well, and and I I know before, and I'd said when you were on your way over there one other time that you know to to make sure you you passed along my best wishes, uh, and I'm I'm sure they they had nice things to say about me. <laughs>
2: There's no bigger name in local radio than John White. You know that.
0: <laughs> I won't fool myself. <laughs> I won't. I won't. Uh, Don't I, ever forget it. <laughs> I, I I'll try not to, but um, you know.
2: You're, you're number one in my book.
0: Well, I appreciate it, Darren. And uh, and again, as always, Darren, I,
1: I appreciate you taking time to talk to me. Hey,
2: Anytime, John. You know that, buddy. And, uh, you know, just uh, holler at me whenever you need me.
1: Our coverage of the Carolina Panthers isn't over yet. Catgrave Radio is coming back. Are you looking for
2: hard-hitting NFL draft news, mocks, and views on the upcoming 2010 NFL
1: Draft? go further than NFLMocks.com. Get the latest on your favorite prospect, what your favorite team will be doing on draft day, plus the opinions you've come to love at NFLMocks. With a big, board, underclassmen-listed draft database, NFLMocks.com is your one-stop shop for anything NFL draft. Covering the 2010 NFL Draft with class, it's NFLMocks.com, part of the fan-sided network.
0: It's time once again to pick some games. time for the divisional round of the playoffs. Joining us for uh, these games and these picks is Mr. Nick Yeoman. Uh, Nick, you know, last week we said there was very, very small room for error. And unfortunately, you made an error. You had uh, kind of a rough week. Uh, Four games and four incorrect picks.
4: I, I couldn't even get one right. I
2: am the, the I am the Dan Marino of Pickham. I am the Carl Malone, Charles Barkley of Pickham. I am the Chicago Cubs of Pickham. In the regular season, I'm fine, but when the playoffs roll around, I can't. I just can't get it done. The nice thing, though, John, is in Pickham, you always get next week to bounce back. You know, the Cubs, their season is over. The Panthers, their season is over. But in Pick'em, you always get a chance to redeem yourself. And Lord knows, I need it because. Last week's 0-4 performance was ugly.
0: Well, you get to the divisional round, time for the big boys to play some ball, and we'll start you off in the AFC. Here's your chance to redeem yourself with Ravens and Colts.
4: Well, it is, of course,
2: the most exciting weekend of football, in my opinion. And if you haven't heard already, the Indianapolis Colts have won seven straight over the Baltimore Ravens. However, the little-known fact is that Peyton Manning and his boys... Are 0 3 in the divisional round when they have a first round bye. History has shown that when this team rolls into the playoffs playing its best football, they're tough to beat, and that's clearly not the case right now. The Colts with the divisional round bye, they had the two games, the two losses to end the season. Baltimore has that playoff formula. They run the ball, they play great defense, but I just think the Colts. They're going to come in with a bit of a of a chip on their shoulder unlike any previous seasons. The Colts fans are upset about the way the team shut it down. I think they're going to come out strong, and I think the Colts beat Baltimore at home.
0: And in the other AFC matchup, we've got Jets and Chargers.
2: Uh, the New York Jets, got a funny team all, all season long. You know, they got off to a great start with Rex Ryan's defense. They were shutting everybody down. But during the middle of the season, Mark Sanchez, his rookie play really held this team back. And then in the last few months, they've really turned it on. Whether they backed into the playoffs and deserved to be there or not, it, 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 they shouldn't be overlooked. I just think the San Diego team, though, is playing way too good a football to slip up here. They are the hottest team in the league right now coming to the playoffs. Uh, when these two teams met in week three, the Chargers blew the Jets out forty eight to twenty nine. I don't think it's gonna be that easy for San Diego, but I do like LT and the Chargers to electric glide right past the Jets. All
0: right, and then we've got some NFC matchups starting with Cowboys and Vikings.
2: But it's tough to sit here and say that the culture has changed for the Dallas Cowboys because, let's be honest, they've always been a proud franchise that's used to winning. But the way that they've closed the season, you know, the strong showing in December, the impressive win against Philly in the playoffs, I think it's changed a lot of minds in the media and fans about the Dallas Cowboys. That defense has been incredible, and I think they have what it takes to knock off the Vikings in Minnesota. The Vikings, they look great at times this season, and at times they also look kind of mortal. Like when they played the Panthers... But I think Dallas is riding that playoff momentum wave that we've seen way too many times. Teams ride that momentum wave through the playoffs all the way to the Super Bowl. And I think they're going to be too much for the mighty Brett Farm to overcome. I like Dallas to win, but this should be one heck of a battle, John.
0: And finally, in what could be a really good game, Cardinals and Saints. Well, you mentioned it. And this game, to me, is probably the one that I'm looking forward to
2: most. On paper, it looks like both quarterbacks should have field days just torch, you know, the opponent's secondaries, but there have been many times where those type of games don't pan out, and they turn into defensive battles, so I think you got to look at it, both Arizona and New Orleans, they can score a lot of points, so you have to look at who's, who has the better defense, which I think is Arizona, and who's playing better football right now, which is also Arizona, maybe New Orleans, maybe they can shake off that three-game losing streak to end the season and flip that switch this weekend, But I wouldn't count on it. I like the Arizona Cardinals to advance to their second straight NFC title game and ruin all the Hudat fans.
0: Well, we'll continue to keep score throughout the playoffs.
2: All right, thanks, John. Hopefully we hit on a couple more than we did last week.
1: Call us and sound off. The number for the CCR hotline is 206-350-9673. We want to make you a part of the show. Call 206-350-9673. Now back to more Cat Crave Radio. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. Hey, don't forget the
0: question of the week for our next episode. The question is, if John Fox leaves, who, besides Bill Cower, would you want as the head coach? You can name anybody you want, just not Bill Cower. Call us on the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673. 350-9673 and tell us who you think should take the reins for the Carolina Panthers next season if Fox leaves. We'll take your calls through Monday, January 18th. That number is 206
1: it's Minter at the 30. He's to the 20. Cuts outside at the 15. minute to the 10. Minute to the five. Touchdown. It's time now for the Minterview. We are joined now by
0: legendary Carolina Panther, Mike Minter. Mike, as always, it is a pleasure to have you with us.
3: I appreciate it, John. Thanks.
0: Mike, the Panthers, you know, but during the offseason, normally there's not a lot to talk about. It seems to be, you know, things are kind of slow. We're kicking this offseason off with, well, some interesting stuff. I mean, there seems to be a lot to talk about, and the major topic is John Fox and his future. Uh, first, of course, they said that, you know, he had the option to come back if he wanted to return as the coach one more year, and then we've got that uh, the mess that could happen in 2011, but do you think it's possible that John Fox is kind of testing the waters out there now? Do you, do you think it's, is it safe to say that he may be looking around?
3: Well, um, you know what, um, John, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, you look at the situation where you got two um, organizations, and I'm going to call Coach Fox um, an organization. you got two organizations looking at each other and saying, um, how can we best protect ourselves in, in this situation? Um, you look at the Panthers organization, they said, okay, look, uh, we got one more year with, with, with Coach Fox, let's let's play that year out because we don't know what 2011 is going to look like. Will the, the NFL have a lockout? It's, it's very, very close to saying that, you know, um, that's going to happen. So to me, it makes good business sense to say, okay, we got one year left, let's let the coach play, and, and then guess what? 2011 comes, we have a lockout. We don't need a coach doing a lockout because we're not playing. And now we're not paying that bill to anybody at the same time. You know what? If it doesn't happen, if we do get an agreement, we can just re-up John Fox and get another coach. Okay? So, to me, I think from the Panthers' perspective, it's a a good move on the business side. Now, let's look at football side. Football side says, you know what? Let's um, see what Coach Fox can do. Can he continue his trend, which is one good year, one okay year, one good year, one okay year. Can he continue his, um, his trend and come back next year and take us deep into the playoffs or possibly to the Super Bowl? So, again, right, that makes sense to keep him for that one year to, to, to see if that's going to happen. Um, you look at Coach Fox side, Coach Fox's side is this. Now, I've been in this situation for, you know, eight to nine years. We really don't know what happens in the back end of the deal in the back office, maybe, you know, Coach Fox is saying, you know what, my assistants don't have contracts. I would love for my assistants to be knowing that they're going to be here. At least I know who I'm working with, and I'm not going to lose all my assistants like I did last year. And so he's probably looking for more stability and more um, commitment from the office to him and and to his coaching staff. And so, um, of course, he's going to be looking around for a better situation than that. So. I think you look at it that both sides is really weighing their options, looking at their options, pretty much similar to how Julius Peppers and the Panthers were last year. You have the player, and you have the organization. Now you got a coaching organization. Man, this is all a business. I can just tell you that um, it's really no loyalty in this business.
0: There's so much money involved. You, you know, it's not necessarily just. And we've talked about loyalty before. Coach Fox has shown loyalty to players, but you can take something like that in this sport so far, but only so far because it is a business. And you mentioned Julius Peppers, and he was actually the next person I wanted to talk about because, okay, he comes out of the season, he, he got a bonus because he made the Pro Bowl. So you throw roughly $1.5 million on top of the, I think, $16.7 million he had made. If he comes back, especially if, if they put the franchise tag on him again, for 2010, he's going to be making 20 million or a little more. With that kind of money being thrown around, I mean, do you think it's wise to to talk about numbers like that, or do you think that do you think that he is do you think that he commands that kind of money?
3: I, I, I think he commands that type of money. I mean, the guys, you don't have him on your team, your, your defense goes, you know, tremendously down. I mean, that's just the bottom line. I mean, the guy is, is and he's in his prime right now. Um, you know, I, I I feel like you don't give a player away in their prime, especially a guy that can change the game all by himself. And if twenty million is the market value, then that's what it is. Okay, so you have got to pay what what whatever um, the guy's worth. And and if that's what it is today, that's what it is today. The great thing is it's an uncapped year, so hey, you pay a man whatever you want to pay, him, uh, because it's not gonna count against the cap if you don't have one. So. I think in that situation, to me, it makes sense because I hear and you know that he's asking for fifteen million a year. Guess what? I get you for one for twenty, okay? And I don't have to pay you fifteen million over seven years. I just get you for one for twenty, and, and um we'll, we'll just continue to play that game until we can't play it no more. That's what he plan. That's what he asking for anyway. The thing is, is that a man in his prime don't have but about. Four or five years of prime years, and I think he's right in the middle of his prime years. And so the thing is, is that what you do is you, hey, I, I would, I would bring, the, I would bring him back. I would franchise him again if we couldn't uh, work out a, a long term deal. I would franchise him again, get him for that um, um, last year, and, and then if it, it's a lockout year, guess what? I'm not paying him either. He's not on my payroll after after next year. So. And I'm saving money on that. If you if you lock him up to a long term deal, guess what? You're still paying that money. So you know that that that's the thing that that I will look at.
0: But we've got agents involved, and I hate to say this about agents necessarily. I've I've dealt with a few, and I know a lot of these guys either are they're they're lawyers, functioning lawyers. I don't know how many times they go into court, but a lot of these guys are lawyers, and you know how we all feel about lawyers. You've got a lot of guys running front offices. They're nice people and then some not-so-nice people around the game. When are we going to get you into a front office? we got to get you in there so we can have somebody with, you know, good common sense and, and a moral person that's in there running a front office. When, when are we going to get you into it?
3: Well, you know what, um, that's, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, once my kids get to a situation where, you know, they're they in college and, and um, they're, they're at the house. I, I think it makes sense. There was something that, that I did go to the Panthers and talk to them about uh, when I got done playing. It's, it's, um, you know what? I, I understand um, talent. I understand how to get it. I understand how to talk to people. And so um, I would love to learn. And you don't even have to pay me. I just want to learn. I just want to get behind the scenes and, and, and find out how you guys do what you do. And, um, and eventually, you know, come into... A situation where I am in the front office. You know, the thing is about football, and it's an amazing thing. Um, the thing is, is that they try to make you pay your dues, okay? So you got to you got to go through things, even if you're ready, even if you understand it. You must pay your dues in the in the National Football League, even in college. And and um, to me, I, I think I think paying your dues, um, I think it's something to say about that. But at the same time, if somebody ready. With the Pittsburgh Steelers and started the trend, hey, you got a young guy, he's ready to go. Put him in there and let, let's
1: rock and roll. Well,
0: Ozzie Newsom made that jump, so I mean, we know you could make the jump, and I'd love to see it happen. But do you think? And I mentioned the, uh, the agents and and the fact that you know they're you know we've got these guys that they've got to help run the the business part of it for any player out there. Do you think, in some ways, because of the way the game is structured, the business side of it, do you think the agents are holding too many of the cards in some cases?
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's and they know that. I mean, that's why the the, the business of agency was even created. You know, their their whole deal is to hold all the cards and 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 really um, make it tough on on um, teams. Their their whole deal is. One, if the player get paid, they get paid. So they they gonna work hard to to try to make those those things happen. Sometimes I, I think these guys don't understand the dynamics of everything. They they all just look at money, and, and I think sometimes you know money is not the only you know piece of the puzzle you need to be looking at. It just so happens that that's all the that agents look at. They don't look at other things. They don't look at your brand after football. They don't understand that you know what, you're going to have to live in a community sometime after football, and you need to start building ties to different people other than just money. So sometimes the value of staying with one organization pays off in the long run, and it might not pay off right today. And so I think you need to look at all those different areas um, as an agent, and, and, and most of the time um, agents don't do
0: that. Well, Mike, we do appreciate you being with us once again. and. uh I know it's early in the year. I hope things are getting kicked off for you in 2010, and, and uh, we wish you the best for the new year and the new decade.
3: All right. I appreciate it. Take care.
0: I want to thank Darren Gant for being with us. Darren's work can be found in the Rock Hill Herald, both in print and online. My thanks to Mike Minter for taking part in the Minterview. Mike, you are a scholar and a gentleman. Much appreciation to Nick Yeoman for being such a big part of the show. You know, Nick, the show would be a lot less awesome without you. Hey, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Visit us at catcraveradio.com. Click on the newsletter link at the top of the page and fill out the quick and easy form. That's it. We'll be keeping you all up to date on news regarding the show, interviews, guests. All you got to do is visit catcraveradio.com, click on the newsletter link, and fill out the short form. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. If you do, we promise we're going to follow you back. We can be found at twitter.com slash catcraveradio. Subscribe to our show on iTunes, and while you're there, you can leave us a review. Try to be nice. And don't forget the question of the week. This week the question is, if John Fox leaves, who, besides Bill Cower, would you want as head coach? Call us on the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673 and leave us a message. We'll use every call we get right here on the show. The number is 206-350-9673. I'm John White. Thanks again for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio.
1: Thanks again for listening to Cat Crave Radio, a proud member of the fan-sided network. Check out CatCraveRadio.com for our complete archive of interviews, commentary, and analysis. The CCR crew will gather again next week to bring you another fresh episode. All material, copyright 2010, Cat Crave Radio.
4: Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panthers football game. T-A-N-D-A-D-R-N-O! Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Carolina Panthers